This podcast is part of the A3K Network. For more information, visit www.anime3000.com. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by this producer are not necessarily the views and opinions expressed by Anime 3000, its producers, partners, or affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Who's back, bitches? Woo! We don't really have to guess, because in order to listen to this, you would have had to click on a link that says what show it is and the episode, and then scroll down to the little audio player, unless you're on iTunes, in which case you would have clicked the download link, which would have displayed to you the podcast title and who's behind it. But regardless of all that, guess who's back, bitches? Woo! It's the other side. I'm Cody Byer. And I'm Alex Berry. Yeah! Yeah, and we, you may have noticed there was no other side last week. Why? Well, there was going to be one. Uh, we had a nice little delightful one planned, and it fell through. Mm. Uh, basically, we were going to discuss and uh, there is an anime dating site out there. A few of them, actually. Yeah, um, and we were going to basically do a delightful little romp where we were going to set up a profile, a fake profile, and just see what uh, what responses we'd get. Uh, just kind of and just kind of go over the thing in general because that's that's kind of that's kind of sad. An anime dating website. If your main criteria, because I, I think a lot of these dating sites, the the whatever the theme of the site is, is your main criteria. Um. Match.com, you just want to hook up with somebody, serious or no. Um, eHarmony, you want a serious relationship. Uh, you know, fucking Christian Mingle, you're religious and you want someone else who's religious. When you start getting into stuff like, uh, my main criteria is that you have to like anime too. <laughs> that's sad as hell. I don't really care what your religion or your belief system is or anything else, but uh, I just cannot be with someone who does not share my intense love of all things Japanese. And I, I cannot imagine that there are too many terribly attractive people that are that are making themselves options on a website like that. <laughs> and and if they do, it's like a, not a picture of them, or you're going to find out like they're psychotic and riddled with Aspergers. You know, like I, there's some there's some catch. I did see uh, a few pictures of these people, and uh, it amazes me in an age when we have all these free image editing programs available on the Internet that people still post these kinds of photos of themselves. (laughs) It's like, okay, you know, maybe you don't want to be sneaky and redraw your face or whatever, but you couldn't even adjust the lighting to be a little bit more flattering, or you couldn't do anything. You just... Scanned that and said, "Yeah, this is this is what I'm going to put up on this site where I want to find a mate." Or maybe they did make it more flattering than it already was. <laughs> you can only do so much. That's possible, I suppose. Mo- modern science has only gone so far. Yeah, but, but uh, God bless these people for their courage, you know. I guess, uh, <laughs> but but also, um, I'm just I'm just happy to be back after the little. Uh, Little uh, butthurt explosion we got from the last podcast. Who'd have thought that that fighting game fans are defensive? Man, I uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'd almost think that these people were ever bit as egotistical as we talked about, but, uh, you know, I don't know. To be yeah, I, I, that, oh, go on. No, I, I was going to say, uh, to be fair, um, one thing that we caught a, a few bit of flack for, well, I caught most of it, is some people were uh, pretty offended over my uh, my comments that were aimed at David Serlin, and uh, maybe thought I went a little bit too far, and, uh, you know, maybe they're right. So, as a gesture of goodwill uh, to our listeners, I'd like to formally apologize for my negative comments toward David Serlin. I realize that I was out of line in using this podcast to slander his name, which he spent so many years of his life painstakingly building up to anyone who would listen. Uh, <laughs> even though David Serlin is the kind of man who would show up to a Civil War reenactment carrying an AK-47 load with live ammo, uh, that doesn't mean he's an <laughs> asshole who has an impossibly enormous ego that controls every aspect of his life. Uh, you know, even though, to be fair, it's not my fault that David Serlin is so obsessed with preparing his shaky self-image that he once attempted to take credit for inventing milk. Um... <laughs> You know, but it, it, it was unacceptable of me to call David Serlin an insecure asswipe just because he once spent a week of his life writing extensive change lists for some bullies who beat him up in the fifth grade. Um, you know, I realized that I had no right to say that David Serlin was a self-important pile of waste just because he once heard a pastor say, Jesus loves you, and interrupted the sermon by jumping up shouting, I knew it, eat shit, you scrub losers. <laughs> I was wrong in saying that David Serlin was an infantile, competition-obsessed madman just because he once strangled a Baskin-Robbins employee after she refused to tell him which flavor had the strongest matchup against chocolate chip cookie dough. <laughs> I had no right to call David Serlin a disgustingly vainglorious monster just because he forces the prostitutes he hires to wear David Serlin masks. And I know, I know, I know. It's really juvenile to talk shit about the man's sex life behind his back. Which is why I didn't even want to bring up the fact that David Serlin once blamed his premature ejaculation on his girlfriend's hands being unfairly overpowered. <laughs> or the fact that he once tried to sue a toothpick company for allegedly making full-scale sex toys modeled after the likeness of his manhood. <laughs> So I really am sorry to all the angry David Serlin fanboys out there. Uh, despite what I may have said previously, the truth is that I don't want you all to kiss my ass, and I really don't hope that you get buried under an avalanche of unsold copies of David Serlin's poorly written, craptastic excuse for a book. I'm sorry. That was the revenge! I don't know what you're talking about, man. That was totally sincere. Is sometimes sequels surpass the original. That was the Mega Man 2 to your David Serlin rant. Oh my god. No, but I, I was just, I was just stunned at, uh, a lot of the non-arguments to, to our point. And I think, I think that almost kind of vindicates everything we were saying. Not only did we get some, uh, hoity-toity snooty shit, which proved everything we were saying about the worst elements of Phantom, we were also getting stuff that just weren't, wasn't, wasn't a, res wasn't a response to what we were saying. We got a lot of non-arguments, a lot of, uh, uh, opinion based on nothing. Even when presented with real evidence, we, like, the, the response was just, like, well, nah, or, or, uh, an argument to something that was never said. I thought so, that the, uh, the posting of third strike tier lists was relevant somehow. 
so yeah, uh, so basic basically, uh, I I guess more so than any other podcast we did, the last podcast was pretty much us getting proven so damn right. <laughs> Uh, like, I mean, we have done some podcasts that are hard to argue in the past, but our last podcast, I have never seen a podcast that we have done been so vindicated mere moments after posting. I think the, I think the only time I've ever felt that correct about my assertion of a fandom was when I was doing Kuso. Now, before the episode on, on Evangelion went up on A3K, I was already filming the one for Orin High School Host Club, which begins with a cold open sketch that is basically has uh, uh, my friend Kevin Kevin Markey, aka Tomfa, who uh, he he plays Nine Tailed Shishigami, who's basically a straw man joke of an otaku. I remember that. And yes, and we ha- and the joke was he gets offended at the things I said about Evangelion. This was shot. Days before it, the Evangelion episode went up on A3K, after the Evangelion or the end of Evangelion, I should say, episode went up, a shitstorm of fanboys crashed in headfirst, acting exactly like I predicted they would when I wrote the script a week in advance. Are you a prophet? I think I might be. I'm telling you, the world is trying to make me as egomaniacal as I pretend to be when I'm joking around. <laughs> I keep getting proven right so so much. One of these days, I'm going to say I'm right all the time and actually mean it outside of a hyperbo- hyperbolic joke. Watch out, David Serlin. You've got some competition <laughs> on the horizon. <laughs> I will throw down with Serlin. Two egos collide. <laughs> One giant mental dick will remain. Whoever wins, we lose. Exactly. The internet loses. Yeah. Let's just hope they kill each other. <laughs> uh, so anyway, today's podcast. Uh, now many of you may have heard the sad, sad news, but four kids has recently been gutted. You may have heard it, it didn't get a lot of fanfare. Surprisingly, I didn't even fucking hear about it. Apparently, it's like it was a long span of time ago. I don't even remember when it was. Four kids filed for bankruptcy. I think that was in April of last year, I think. Could be, but I, I was surprised because, again, I would th- I would have thought that people would be, you know, celebrate good times, come on, <laughs> you know, dancing on their grave, but it was just like nothing. Yeah. Well, I, I think they actually, uh, they kept producing uh, new works and, and they, they stayed in business basically after filing bankruptcy, and it's only very recently that they've started to auction off their assets and everything and sort of officially shut down. Yeah, I, that, and, I think, uh, based on my understanding of the situation, I think that's how it's going down. Yeah, so, uh, that, the, you knew that the last, uh, the last bit of life had left the company when they sold Yu-Gi-Oh! Hmm. That was, uh, that was the final, final nail in the coffin. And so this is a podcast, and basically what we're going to be doing for the next however long this podcast goes on for, is basically we're going to dance on four kids' grave. <laughs> Uh, a this while is not ago, going I to heard... be a respectful uh, retrospective of the company's life. No, you see, I, I, a little while ago, I, th- I heard somebody say that uh, we shouldn't be quick to do just that because we have to remember that four kids helped uh, anime reach the mainstream with things like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Regardless of what you think, they helped the overall... Blah, blah, blah. I'm calling bullshit on that. 
they contributed. They did not play enough of a role to be excused from grave dancing. Yeah. Uh, they, a whole bunch of other shit was getting anime in the mainstream before four kids introduced Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And if someone else had introduced Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and put it out there, it would have done the same thing. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't owe four kids a damn thing. Yeah. Well, also, those were, uh, the anime series based on Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! were just parts of these collective franchises. I mean, without the Pokemon games, I don't think a lot of kids would have been watching the cartoon. Right, and and the whole reason people even pay attention to Yu-Gi-Oh! is it wrote, it was a, I mean, it was a trading card game, but it basically wrote what Pokemon, uh, kick-started in the U.S. of this, this collectability craze. Mm-hmm. Catch them all, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, it, basically, uh, there's nothing that we can give four kids credit for. They sucked. They sucked as a company, and the proof is in the pudding, folks. They're dead now. They're dead, and Funimation, the company that respects its titles probably more than anyone else, is thriving. It owns this in this industry. So right there, you have that again. Proof's in the pudding. Four kids didn't respect what they did. Dead. Mm-hmm. Funimation respected what they did. They are kings. As we have said in the past, uh, Funimation also possesses the rare ability to learn from their mistakes. So, something that four kids uh, was never able to do, unfortunately. Four kids did not learn from their mistakes. Four kids saw their mistakes and thought, uh, if you pointed out their mistakes, you were wrong, and they were going to make that mistake harder. <laughs> we can do better, damn it. <laughs> no, no, no better was this... Like there was no better example than their then CEO who ran the company for most of what I can remember, Al Khan. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy was a peach. God. For those who don't know, this is a guy that said like, "Oh, kids don't read anymore." <laughs> this is a guy who basically I mean, are idiots. <laughs> yeah, this is a guy that like like was the stereotypical corporate guy, you know, the consumers are idiots guy. This is the dude that. Like, I mean, you, you watch kids cartoon, kids cartoon, especially in, around that time, and you think to yourself, they are really underestimating children. They must really think children are idiots. And then you hear this guy speaking like, wow, they really do. I, I was right on the money. Cool. I mean, I'm, I, I was just kind of saying it because that's how, you know, I was just feeling good. Tomorrow. I didn't know. I was so damn accurate. Uh, I, di- I didn't know my, my hyperbolic little situation that I was presenting, my scenario, was in fact the God's honest truth. Um, I'm caught. Color me surprised. This this guy, I, I, he may have been a little xenophobic. Hmm. I don't know if you remember the uh, the infamous. Uh, By the time we're done with it, nobody will know it was from Japan. <laughs> that what? did seem to be one of their goals when uh, bringing series over here is the rampant donuts. Americanization. Yeah, the uh, the donuts. That was God. That was great. They, they jelly-filled donut. This is a jelly-filled donut. Have I mentioned this donut is jelly-filled? You see, I'm eating a white puffy thing with a red inside. So I just want to make sure you know that is because it is a jelly-filled donut. Now, I know it's odd to have a triangular jelly-filled donut with the jelly being a perfect red sphere, but I'm telling you right now, jelly-filled donut. I'm just going to repeat jelly-filled donut a few more times just to make sure that you know, you kids at home know, this is a jelly-filled donut. Donut. They seem to operate under the belief that if a child ever went to their parents and asked, like, what's a rice ball or something, like, that would be as bad as if they went to their parents and asked what some racial slur they'd heard was. (laughs) 
Like a rice ball? What the fuck are you watching? <laughs> what kind of trash filth is on that TV these days? It was bad enough when you came to me up and asked me, Daddy, what does cunt mean? But now you're coming up here asking about rice balls? Oh, my God. Mom, what the fuck are you watching, you little cunt? <laughs> the whole reason I put you in front of that TV is so I don't have to look at your ass. Trying to fuck your mother over here. I don't have time for your fucking questions. Get back in there and watch something fucking wholesome so I can get back to eating your mother out. <laughs> Quit crying. Shut up, you little pissant. Uh, the fuck did he, we have him? <laughs> if Al Cohn were Norman Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> we, f we don't care if you folks at home don't know who we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this that was uh, that was always what got me, especially when it would get really uh bad at getting rid of the 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 uh, the anything ethnic. Oh. Um, I, I do remember the one point where a giant rice ball was replaced by a giant hero sandwich, but <laughs> they couldn't really edit. So there's one scene where it's supposed to be rolling down the hill, it just kind of flips, <laughs> like reverses itself, like it's upside down, right side up, upside down, right side up, and it's rolling. Oh. Well, yeah, they, they didn't have a lot of uh, resources to invest in, uh, you know, digitally repainting every frame, so they had to take some shortcuts there. It's almost like it was a useless pursuit. Uh, oh, remember uh, Mew Mew Power? Because they didn't <laughs> want to have the word uh, Tokyo in the title, because kids what? wouldn't know what or where that was. Remember the there was an original rumor that they were going to replace it with, like, an, an American city? Like, what was it? Like, they were going to call it something else? Before Mew Mew Power, there there was I don't know if this was ever true, but it was there was rumors they were they were called like California Mew Mew or something like that. <laughs> I believe that. I, I I can't remember. I I I like I said I believe it. It's probably true. Knowing how they operate. New York America Mew Mew. <laughs> All American Mew Mew. A Mew Mew American. Which was ironic because about that around those time slots, I don't think they played on the Fox box, which was four kids' little thing, or even back when it was Fox Kids. But around that time, there was a show airing that was dubbed by a different company that was a very similar show called Tokyo Pig. Mm -hmm. It was a wacky kids' show. It was aired about Saturday mornings around that same time slot. And there was something poetic and funny to me about that. Yeah, I don't know why they were so adamantly opposed to the idea of children being aware of the fact that something they liked was made in a different nation originally. I mean, in this age of political correctness, you'd think they'd be kind of jumping on that. Like, oh, we're going to take this opportunity to teach kids about other cultures and everything, but... Isn't nope. in that, uh, that what fucking Dora the Explorer and whatever that old little Chinese midgets uh, cartoon shows are all about? I think so, yeah. But that's not Japanese, so... <laughs> we don't need kids finding out about those tentacle porn people. <laughs> you know, I don't want to read too much into this, but there there is kind of a, a an oddly racist undertone there when you think about it. Yeah, it is like basically, it's not just that they re remove Japanese culture. That's bad enough. But then they would replace it with American shit. Exactly. It, Again, the jelly-filled donut. It was taking a distinctly Japanese food and making it instead into its distinctly American food. The taking the giant rice ball and making it a hero sandwich. Oh my god. 
You couldn't lie and say it was another jelly-filled donut? Did you... you you shot your jelly-filled donut wad? They really didn't want that to become an internet meme. Yeah, they're not gonna fall for it twice. <laughs> oh my god! It's like they're like these kids—they're like Doomsday from Superman. You can't use the same thing on them twice. They adapt. They become immune to what you used last time. Oh my god! Like fucking little monsters. Doomsday killed Superman. This is no joke. Oh my god. Yeah, they, uh, you'd think some of the stuff they would have just cut it out completely, but, uh, no, they, they, they did not take the Occam's Razor approach to editing. Which and, uh, I think was best exemplified by, uh, their treatment of One Piece. <laughs> that was what killed them. Oh, yes. Because, uh, because before they, they had still been making money for these Japanese companies, so I guess that's why no one ever looked what they were doing. <laughs> And then, like, like they get, they got sent him one piece, and you know the guys in Japan are thinking, oh, okay, now we're gonna get some more money. One piece. I mean, of all our three big shonen series, this is like the most Western friendly. And yeah. I mean, you know, the other two shows they're taking off, so you know, you guys take one piece and start making this money. And then, like, a year goes by, it's like, where the fuck's all our one piece money? <laughs> How the fuck is this not selling? And they go, they walk over to Mary. What did you do? Did you hear the reactions some of the Japanese staff had to Four Kids' One Piece? I, I just imagined a bunch of guys yelling, Jesus! Yeah, no, it was close. They, they, one of them said they were off the record. I think it was disgusted or something like that. Yeah. Like they, they, The ones that spoke up made minced no words. They thought what they did to One Piece was garbage. Yeah. As they, they took the license away from four kids. They took it away from them. Four, it's not like four kids like, well, this is not making money. I guess we won't renew. No, it's like, you can't have this no more. Yeah. They took it back. Yeah. They, they, that, that's pretty bad. I don't think – when's the last time that's ever happened? I can't think of any examples myself, but – Exactly. I mean that's I – don't, I don't think that's ever happened where the treatment of a show was so bad and bum, bungled so gloriously. That that the, uh, the the original Japanese company that owns it took it away from them. Well, that's that's the really tragic part of this is that they really did pretty effectively destroy One Piece's chances in America. I mean, you look at how popular this series is. Uh, you look at what a great do uh, job Funimation has done with it since they picked it up. I mean, this show should be absurdly popular in America. This this could have been like the next Dragon Ball Z over here. And yet, it's really not that big at all. Well, I think one of the other things that killed it was Cartoon Network uh, becoming the idiots that they are today. Uh, when Funimation that picked that up, they you. basically – yeah, they basically wanted Funimation to turn it around way too drastically. And I think they just wanted an excuse to get rid of it because they wanna, wanted to phase out uh, anime and Toonami and all that shit and just start playing their own dumbass garbage. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's especially when they were starting to get more live-action shows. On the Cartoon Network. Yeah. And the idiot running the thing now. It's it's more of a network, an entertainment network, than just a cartoon network. Please fire yourself. We shifted you incompetent the, uh, fucking the focus hack. from the word cartoon, you see, to the word <laughs> network. Okay? That's called rebranding in the industry. That's, that's what we've done here. 
<laughs> uh, just yeah, the, the guy running Cartoon Network now is a fucking buffoon. He's terrible at his job. He should quit. He should go away, walk off into the fucking sunset, never to be heard from by humanity again. You are never going to compete with Nickelodeon. Stop trying. Just be what the fuck you're supposed to be. Shut your stupid mouth. Yeah. I mean, God, they were getting better ratings a lot of the time. They were just running. But that, that would kill shows. one piece. Uh, yeah, it was. It was ba- basically what happened. It. The worst part was that uh, Funimation had to stick with a lot of four kids and shit when they were playing it on TV. Oh, yeah. Fucking Toei was another. It was a perfect storm that killed One Piece. It wasn't just four kids. It was four kids, Cartoon well, Network, and Toei. Four kids delivered the biggest blow. Well, I think four kids delivered the first shot. And then and then while like while, while One Piece was staggering, the other two came and hit it to, you know, hit the one-two punch that killed it. Because then Toei basically had to be a bitch. Toei gave them a list of shit they had to do, and Funimation spent the better part of a year fighting every single item on that list. A lot of the the name changes, the stupid-ass name changes that 4Kids gave One Piece wasn't from 4Kids. It was from Toei. That's why they're also present in the manga. It's one of the reasons I don't read the manga. I don't like the idea of changing the author's original intent. I don't care what your reasoning is. Yeah. Uh, th- like, uh, like calling Mister Two's, uh, like, like Okama or ballet or whatever, uh, Kempo to quote crazy karate. Huh. Uh, removing, removing all the gay shit from him. Uh, changing like Skypea to uh, not Skypea, but uh, Shan- Shandora from that arc to Loftra and all the cloud puns and, and like a lot of that. I mean, some of that was for kids, but a lot of that was also Toei. Toei was behind Zolo. I knew they were behind Zolo. I, I didn't know about a lot of the other stuff. I I thought they were just like super paranoid about uh, copyright infringement. So like, well, yeah. swap the R sound for an L sound, and we'll be good to go. But yes. Yeah, that that it, it, a lot of that was Toei, no, and that's why that's why Funimation when they picked it up, it took them a while to get the DVDs out too, because they were they didn't want to release the DVDs until they had everything fixed. Yeah, they want they wanted to make sure they could present it as it should be, and now it has been, and it's been do, it's been doing well for what it is, but it could be way big. It could have been way bigger. Yeah. Um, it's it's been selling pretty well though. It's been selling pretty well. I mean, that's not that's not. Sell it short. It's been, I mean, pretty high. Right? Whenever when a new DVD volume would come out, it was ranked pretty high on Amazon. It it did. It's been doing reasonably well, but I mean, in terms of how well it could have done and what they could have been doing with merchandising and everything else, I mean, we we still don't get most of the games that come out. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the other things. So. And we get like every Bleach and Naruto game that comes out. So. Yeah. So I mean, it it could have done better, and it should have done better. Yeah. Not to say that it's it's dead in the water, ha ha, pirate pun, but uh, <laughs> you know it. If I, I just can't help but feel that if Funimation had picked this up first, if it hadn't initially fallen into four kids' twisted web of evil, uh, I think it probably would have done a lot better and be doing a lot better now. And four kids, uh, I don't think they knew anything about the show other than it was about pirates. And hey, kids like pirates. <laughs> you could tell they. Didn't they, they, they were in over their heads with that show. Just the heavy editing. Entire, entire story arcs were cut out. For Huge no chunks reason. Of, 
Yeah, huge chunks of episode gone. Well, I can tell you reasons. Like fucking Little Garden, I can tell you right now, is because it glorified violence. It made those two guys fighting seem like a romantic thing, and we can't have that. Yeah, that it's could just... have been uh, fixed with some ridiculous dialogue edits. I think they just wanted to get to, uh, like, later in the series so they could introduce more characters because they were hoping to make, you know, they are hoping to make everything more marketable, and so they wanted more characters in there and... Because, I mean, overall, Little Garden was a fairly child-friendly arc as far as that show goes, so... Well, also, you had stuff like, I mean, uh, the slow death that that uh, Mr. Three tried to impose on them by suffocating them in candle wax. Mm-hmm. I think four kids didn't like that, and there, and it was... It, was, it would have been a little touchy to try to write around that. You had a lot of... I mean, there was, there was, some, there was some shit, and again, it was the, the idea of... Uh, like that it was that it was almost a good thing that these two were fighting each other and mm-hmm. it was romanticizing that and i think four kids just wasn't having that Could be. um you had uh you had a lot of shit like uh and again this is a show where one of the villains was defeated because the hero was covered in his own blood which allowed him to hit said villain How'd they ride stuff like that? <laughs> they said it was sweat <laughs> For those who've never seen One Piece, One Piece has one of the greatest villains of all time, a guy named Sir Crocodile. Basically, think of a one, like an e, like Hannibal Lecter as a blinged out mafia don with the, with sand powers risen to godlike levels. And think about this guy; you couldn't touch him. If you punched him, he just turned to sand, and you'd go through him. But there was a way you could touch him if either you were wet or he was wet, because the wetness made the sand stick together. Mm-hmm. So. Like, in the, like, he, this guy had beaten the shit out of the main character, Luffy, multiple times. He's the only, still the only villain in the entire series to ever hand Luffy his ass like that multiple times. And so Luffy finally, in the final battle between the two, he's able to hit Crocodile because, in the, because of the battle previously, Luffy is now literally covered in his own blood. He's all these open wounds that are just pouring out blood. So because of his blood all over himself, he's able to touch Crocodile and they have a fight. In Four Kids' version, see, the fight takes place in a ruins, in some ruins deep underground. But in Four Kids' version, because the ruins are down so low and the air is so thick, he's sweating so profusely he can touch Crocodile. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking sweat. You have to have this, you either you or he have to be drenched in order to touch him. Like, as in, like, dumping a whole bucket of water on your head, drenched. So pulling that amount of sweat out of your ass is something. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen people work on a hot day and not even get that covered in sweat. Yeah. No, and, because but, they, uh, were so under, they were so far underground. You see, uh, the physics were were different, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there there were moments like that where it's like, and, and four kids of sloppy editing, and like all the gun, many many guns, uh, lots of guns, lots of liquor. This is about pirates. I don't think four kids realize this ain't you know the fucking lazy town pirate song pirates here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is pirates pirates. They may have superpowers, but they're still pirates. Uh, again, using the 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 arc with crocodiles, another example because this is another that arc had a lot of absurd edits. Mm-hmm. The, the early in this early in four kids run and late in four kids run had the worst edits mm-hmm. uh and and crocodile was like the last major arc they had uh and, and at the end of their first the be- first battle between luffy and crocodile for those who haven't seen the show uh crocodile actually absolutely destroys luffy luffy can't even hurt him and crocodile's basically saying, all right i'm done playing with you little shit 
and he take Crocodile's hook for a hand, and he takes that hook and he impales Luffy with it. He runs it right through Luffy's abdomen, holds him up, talks shit like a boss, and then chucks his ass into a pit. Uh, and, and it is badass, and it's very well done in, in the in the anime. It's an incredible scene. It's awesome. It's great. And and in Four Kids' version, what they did it was an incredibly clumsy jump of cuts and then they drew over please people google image search this it's the funniest damn thing they drew over because what happens when he impales luffy it's a it shows their shadows in front of a red background it's just their silhouettes so they drew over luffy to make it look like crocodile was holding him but holding him upside down by the i don't know what belt i guess so you have Crocodile silhouette holding up a poorly drawn upside down Luffy silhouette, like with his arms and legs out, like he was a cave painting. Uh, they removed all the violence, but in doing so, they made it uh, bizarrely sexual. So, <laughs> exactly. I, I guess that was better. I don't know. And. Uh, and then, and like I said, the worst edits were not only at the end of the series, but the beginning. In the beginning, we had the infamous hammer gun. Yeah, the, oh my god, that was that was great, just for all the wrong reasons. It was basically, in, in, early in the series, I think it's like the second or third episode, Luffy's traveling with this nerdy boy named Kobe who comes to help him out, and this other asshole dude, he tries to stop Luffy by threatening Kobe. He holds a gun up to Kobe's head. That's what the original scene is, a gun right to Kobe's head. Mm-hmm. They edit this in, four ki- in the four kids version, by something what is the most gloriously stupid digital edit you will ever see in all your life. Uh, it is, it, it's, it's a gun, it has the trigger and holster of a gun, but instead of going into a barrel, it goes into this spring, like, this diagonal spring into a giant hammer. He's holding up a spring-loaded hammer to the guy's head. It is the most needlessly complicated edit on God's green earth, poorly drawn, there's it's just a, a like a shape. Uh, it is amazing. God. Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, they never take the easy way out. I mean, they could have just painted over his hand or, you know, used a different angle to obscure the gun. Or There's a hundred different things they could have done. Or had him point at him, say, I'm going to get this guy if you don't. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. Stupid, but it's less stupid than a hammer gun. Yeah, the, uh, well, yeah, you had the, uh, the pointing hitmen in, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, so why the hell not, but, but yeah, that's what I mean, they, they always go for the most purposely ridiculous, nonsensical edits, just because, I don't, I don't know, they're, they're testing the audience, I guess, like, how much of this bullshit can we get away with before somebody calls us on it? And of course, there is the matter of replacing all the Navy slash Marines, because both works. Uh, guns with super soakers. Yeah. That's not a lie. That's what they... First, they drew over the rifles with actual super soakers with the little water plastic canister at the top. Then they said that takes too long, so they just started recoloring them green. (laughs) Uh. And, And there were some weird ones, too. Like, at one point, these little kids are beating up on somebody with shovels and shit. And I guess that's too violent for four kids, so they painted all the shovels that they're in, and instruments that they're beating them with to look like they're plastic toys. <laughs> but they're light, apparently life-sized, detailed plastic toys. <laughs> it's okay to beat someone to death with a shovel when the shovel is pink. 
Yeah. It was, it was very bizarre. And, of course, there's the editing out. One of the characters in One Piece, for those who have not seen the show, is this badass motherfucker named Smoker. Uh, Smoker is basically the unstoppable Terminator cop. Uh, always trying to bring them pirates to justice, and he's a grizzled motherfucker with smoke powers and can do a lot considering his powers are just smoke. Yeah. Uh, and he all, is always, at all times, smoking two simultaneous cigars. Uh, four kids edited out the two simultaneous cigars and just had smoke coming out of his mouth while he had a lockjaw at all times. <laughs> Saying that his smoke powers caused him to breathe out smoke at all times. So he's just running around. And he never shuts his mouth. And he's got locked jaw. He's always got his teeth showing. Because originally he was smoking a cigar. Big cigars. So he's just running around like you all time. His power was transformed to him having always just eaten a really spicy bowl of chili. <laughs> and burping it out. Yeah. But, uh, or, of course, you've got uh, Sanji, uh, who was one of the protagonists who had a cigarette in his mouth in pretty much every frame that he's in, just constantly smoking. And I guess four kids thought that drawing over the cigarettes would be too difficult, so they changed the cigarettes to, like, lollipops. A lollipop. Yeah. It was a lollipop, yeah. It was, it was a lollipop was, that he was always... Even though it was very clearly a cigarette butt in the the size and the shape and the fact that it was it would get bent when it was wet and all this other stuff, it was it was still a lollipop because he had a sweet tooth. <laughs> and oh my god, there's so much. And of course, we ha- we got to talk about the voices in that show. I mean, this four kid shows but it was really apparent in one piece one piece is a show that while it can be silly it can also be super fucking dramatic mm-hmm. uh it it has made grown men cry and has made them proud to admit they've cried uh so it, it really 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 starts to show when you have this big moment uh that is punctuated by the worst voice acting imaginable um I'm gonna bring it back to Luffy versus Crocodile because my brother and I watched this this fight between Luffy and Crocodile and four kids and we both laughed our asses off. Um, in the first fight where Luffy gets the shit kicked out of him, uh, first of all, uh, Crocodile's voice actor was for, seemed to be a sound like a gangster with a cold making constant hook jokes. <laughs> And we'll get into this a little later, but four kids have the thing with puns that is insufferable. Oh, they love but that shit. Apparently, because Crocodile had a hook for a hand, he couldn't shut up about it in four <laughs> kids' world. Everything was a hook. He was like a bad Batman villain. <laughs> Everything, he was like, uh, like, uh, in the original dialogue, he throws out a, um, an hourglass and he says, I'll give you Two, three minutes after that, after that, I won't have enough time to play with you. And then he shows his hook, and, and he shows his hook when he says, "I won't have enough time to play with you," making a visible, kind of subtle implication that I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the four kids, when he throws out the hourglass and said, "You got three minutes, and once time is up, you get the hook." <laughs> right when he shows the hook, and he delivers the line pretty much like that. <laughs> so he's pretty much very proud of his hook. <laughs> Uh, he ends that fight when he's holding up uh, cave painting Luffy upside down. He says, like, 
No matter what, I'll always win. By hook or by crook. <laughs> like, oh, my kidneys. Oh. But the, and one now, of the best things... I'm off to go get some hookers. <laughs> I'm going to hook them in. Because I'm uh, hooked on that sweet poon. <laughs> when I was a kid, I had trouble reading, so my parents had to buy Hooked on Phonics. We we are great script writers. We, we should have worked for four kids, but it's too late now. Uh, we missed our opportunity. But uh, also one of the best things, uh, displaying the horrible voice acting in the show, uh, Luffy's... A uh, voice actor in that show had no indoor voice or ability to emote or anything beyond one tone of voice. Uh, at one point, uh, at one point in the fight, Crocodile uses his his sand. He has at least sand powers, and they also go into drying things. He can basically kill you if he touches you. He can kill you in one. Hit. Mm-hmm. And this is one move where he just cuts the ground using kind of a mix of that power. Big hole in the ground by a flick of his wrist. Just big ass. Just chops the earth in twain. And Luffy kind of barely is able to dodge it because it's so fast. And he jumps out of the way, and it's all intense. And it shows his face that he's struggling because he was like, oh, man, I just barely did that. And originally, it was, wasn't was much of a reaction. It was just like, ah, you know, that kind of thing. It wasn't even that much. Yeah. For kids, during this shot of Luffy's face, uh, slow-mo dodging that uh, Cutting the Earth in Twain attack, four kids decide to have Luffy make this beautiful noise. <clears throat> <laughs> For the entire shot of Luffy's face, he was going, What's... And, uh, but then, I, I want to I kind of break this scene down, because this scene is a glorious example of everything wrong with four kids in one piece. So then he, this fight, I mean. So then, uh, at one point, the, when Luffy looks back at the hole that Crocodile has cleaved in the earth, and the way that he delivers the line, my brother, once he pointed out, I can't unhear it, sounded like he was introducing a game show. Looks back and goes, there's no bottom! <laughs> and he's like, oh my god, it does sound like he's introducing a game show. <laughs> there's no bottom! That's when uh, removing all the swearing actually hurt them, because they could have done something great, like, holy shit! <laughs> And then at one point, another one of Crocodile's many sand powers, he stabs the ground because they're fighting in the desert. He basically has such an advantage, it's impossible to beat him. Uh, he stabs the ground and makes this, like, sinkhole. And then in the original dialogue, he explains that because of his powers and why he is so powerful in the desert, one of the things is he can just create sinkholes like that using his power. Just anywhere he wants. Just boom, we'll suck you in, you're going to bury you alive. Nothing you can do. And that's what he's originally saying. He even had a really cool line of the, uh, the desert, desert makes a convenient coffin. No headstone necessary. Uh, and Luffy's run, kind of running to get out. And he's like, what is this? And he's running to try to get out of the sinkhole when he can't get out. Hmm. And Crocodile's standing over talking shit and whatever. Four kids' dialogue in this scene is amazingly bad. Uh, Crocodile apparently in Four Kids' world, became so enamored with the fact that he he made a comparison to it being a... No, Luffy made a comparison to being, quote, like a big desert toilet! <laughs> Crocodile apparently became so enamored with this analogy, he ran with it full force. <laughs> <laughs> he kept saying, a desert toilet, that's perfect. Like, 
I guess that makes you desert doo doo. It's like I'm 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 sorry. Did the uh did the obvious uh gangster, the mafia boss with the godlike powers, wearing all the expensive jewelry and the very very large, intimidating man, uh, ju- that can cleave the earth in twain with a flick of his wrist, just say the phrase desert doo doo. That's great I, that grown men wrote that. <laughs> and and then, but literally like that he was really into that analogy. Once Luffy said it's like a big desert toilet. At first he says like desert toilet. Well, I guess that makes you desert doo doo. <laughs> That's right, a big desert toilet. Yes. Say <laughs> like, like, crocodile, just do your Beavis and Butthead laugh and get it over with. I know you're repressing it. <laughs> he was caught up in that analogy. He's like, finally, a name for this attack. (laughs) Oh, he named it. I was going to call it, like, the hell of quicksand or something, but desert toilet, that's got a ring to it. Yeah, here's the thing. They they also removed – this is another kind of that weird, creepy xenophobia with four kids. One piece – a lot of the attacks that Crocodile and his organization, his his, uh, criminal syndicate, Baroque Works, had, a lot of his high-ranking guys had, uh, like – their attack names were in other languages uh especially him it was like like he had more languages like like his second in command his 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 attack her attacks were in like two languages like uh spanish and french and then he was at the top so he had three languages was like spanish italian and english damn and uh so his attacks were all desert and then something usually italian going with his mafia appearance Mm mm-hmm uh, like the move that cleaves the earth in twain is Desert Spada. And then you have, uh, Desert, and one, uh, that one was, I think it was like, and he had one Sable, Sables, where he creates sandstorm. So it was all in other languages. Mm-hmm. Four kids got rid of those other languages. Foreign cultures are the devil. And of course, English pun name. They, were, they became Desert and then an English weapon name. <laughs> so got rid of all them other dirty languages. And made the English. They made that man speak American. <laughs> so that was worth that. That, that was worth bringing up because again, that goes into their whole xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Anything in another language was changed. Any attack name in another language was changed. Oh, of course. Um, you have then you have uh, going back to that fight again. The, the, you had the desert doo doo. Uh, you had. I think. I think that was. I think that was it. I, I keep thinking there was one more that was worth mentioning, but I can't remember it now. It must have, it, it's left my brain, so it must not have been that funny. Something but involving yeah, I just, another hook pun, probably. Probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was very much. Uh, God, I just couldn't get over. Like this was supposed to be this. The, the I wouldn't call it an epic battle. It was more of a, a somber battle because this is this is the this hero Luffy. All up until this point, has always won his fights. This was not only the first time he lost, but it was a very hopeless fight, so it had this air of, like, you're fucked throughout the whole fight. It was very much... So, so having seen it originally, and seeing even just the footage and the way the atmosphere is and everything like that, and then hearing a a five-minute dissertation on the fact that this attack looks like a toilet. Something's not right here. Uh, And, but, uh, and... Luffy was God. His his voice actor should be ashamed of herself. Mm-hmm. It was it, literally like that. He had one tone of voice in that show. It was this is how I talk? How are you doing? I'm 
Luffy, shut up. This is a church. What's a church? <laughs> what's with all the what's with all the weird windows? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm if she, acting. Wouldn't be too surprised if she probably tried to to speak normally a couple times, and the director was like, "No, this is a kids' show. You need more energy and more energy." Yeah. That probably would be it. And but let's not I, forget I uh, David Moo's performance as uh, Sanji, the uh, 50s gangster with a bad head cold. He sounded like uh, someone doing – he sounded like a 50s gangster with a bad head cold doing a bad Christopher Walken impression half the time. <laughs> like, my sweets, let me tell you about all the times I would like to spend with you. Here's a rose for you, my sweet. Hello. How are you? My name is Sanji. How are you doing? That sounds a little the, like uh, Bobcat cold with, with a head cold. <laughs> it's not far off. <laughs> Sadly, it's not. But that will forever remain one of the great examples of irony uh, in our time, is that four kids got a hold of a TV show based on pirates, and they edited it to remove all references to violence, drinking, swearing... Anything that you would immediately associate with pirates. Yes, and I, I want to bring up one more thing on the voice acting because there is one more legendary than even David Musanji, although his is very legendary just for how inappropriate it was. Mm-hmm. But nothing can top Four Kids Usopp, which was basically just any time he would speak would be just this, Hey, everybody, how you doing? Because he was the comic Perhaps- relief, you see. And, uh, Perhaps you remember me from your child's last birthday party. <laughs> Did you enjoy all the balloon animals I made for everybody? <laughs> well, I've got my own cartoon show now. Because, <laughs> damn it, people had to know he was the comic relief. And how else were they going to know that unless he talked that way? Unless <laughs> he talked like Bozo the Clown. <laughs> And you had, again, with the race shit in, in Four Kids, they, they had several characters who were black that they whitened up. <laughs> I, I guess they were uh, so burnt after the uh, the Pokemon controversy that uh, they weren't taking any chances. <laughs> like, you know what? Whites only, just to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> like, one of them did kind of look blackface, but he was part of Buggy the Clown's crew. Everybody looked fucked up in Buggy the Clown's crew. He was a clown pirate with a clown theme to his crew. Mm. Everybody looked ridiculous. And uh, and then there was a couple that weren't offensive, but they were black, and they're like, we're not taking any chances. (laughs) Better safe than sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Don't want want kids asking their parents about people of other races. That's going to bring up some issues. Yeah, I think uh, I think they might have whitened up. I could I could be remembering incorrectly, but if I remember correctly, they whitened up uh, Crocodile's number two guy, Mister One, his like top ranked uh, officer, who was the Mister One is this big badass black guy that can turn his body into blades. He's big big ass black man, and if I remember correctly, they lightened his skin. He wasn't particularly dark to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, if I remember correctly, I think it was him, and there was one other character besides the blackface guy that they, they whitened up. And I can't remember who it was, but it was like, oh, my. It was like, oh, the implications. In their pursuit to be as non-racist as possible, they went in the opposite direction. 
Uh, and uh, oh yeah, and and bringing back to that arc with, with crocodiles guys, because again, this had again the beginning and the end of the show had the worst of it. In this criminal organization, the, the, their top-ranked people were in pairs. You have a guy with a Mister Number name, and then a woman paired with a female agent with a Mrs. Holiday name. Mm-hmm. And the lower the guy's number name number in his code name was, the higher ranked he was. So Mister One was the number one guy under Crocodile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple of them were changed. The, the holiday names were changed. Uh, a couple of them were changed because they were Japanese holidays. Yeah, like you, you couldn't have Miss Golden Week because, you know, kids would be like, what's that? And then, you know, that would come And then Miss Doublefinger was changed. Doublefinger referred to New Year's Eve because the Japanese, like some two-finger hold, holding up one finger for one year and one for the other way. Uh, so Miss Doublefinger's name got changed to Miss New Year's Eve, which is... Miss Fourth of stu- July. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> really. Uh, but what really got me was Miss Merry Christmas had her name changed. I guess Christmas is religious. It was changed uh, to uh, Miss Non Secular Holiday Name. <laughs> Miss Solstice. Yeah. Uh, no, Miss but it was Winter changed to Celebration. Miss... <laughs> she was changed to Miss Groundhog's Day because she turned into a mole. Okay. Despite the fact she had a Chris, she had a Christmas tree tie that she wore. And their way to edit the – they had to edit the Christmas tree tie. So what they did to edit it, they colored the green purple and just left it. So she had a really weirdly shaped tie that was purple with red polka dots. And and they they erased over any signs of her boobs because she's fat. So she had the fat lady boobs. So so they they colored over – the front areas of her boobs. Well, they did that with every female character in the show, just about. Yeah, but that was especially weird that they did it with the fat lady, and they did it in a way that just made her look really oddly shaped. <laughs> because, again, any front lines representing breasts on this woman were colored over, yeah. so she just looked like kind of a weird beehive shape with nothing going on in the middle. I mean, yeah, they got rid of cleavage everywhere it went, and they just erased it or drew over it, so people were either wearing really weird things or their or their collars went really far before any breasts started to happen. Yeah. But uh, that was the weirdest one, because, like, what are you protecting the kids from? Lusting over – you afraid there's an eight-year-old chubby chaser? You don't want to <laughs> – you don't want to get excited? What are you doing? Which is especially funny looking back, looking ahead, because there are some straight up nudity in later arcs of One Piece. Hmm. And it's like, like four kids, you, you, it's just funny. Like you really wanted to go for this show, you stupid fucks. I don't, I don't know if they actually looked at it. I think they just saw some, uh, some promo pictures of the characters and thought, well, you know, it's, it's kind of, because a One Piece, I don't want to say it's drawn in a kitty style, but. It's it's influenced by Western cartoons. Yeah, so I mean, you could see that's that's the sort of thing that could easily fly over here. And they thought, well, all right, the the kids love the pirates, and so this is going to be marketable. You know, we'll go ahead and bring it over. And then probably when they got the first episodes, they're like, oh shit, there's swearing and violence in this. <laughs> in this show about pirates, who knew? Man, well, let's get to work, boys. We got to <laughs> fix this to save America's youth. And what was especially funny, they would rewrite entire plot points just to fit their goofy edits. Uh, there was the infamous – in one of the early arcs, like I said, the beginning and the end, 
one of the early arcs uh, that introduces Usopp, they go to the island that was his hometown, and there is this this villain, Captain Kuro, who's this badass motherfucker who's basically trying to kill the town and take this really rich girl's fortune. Uh, and Captain Kuro's number two guy, who had been kind of running Captain Kuro's crew while he was away, is this dude named Django. Django is awesome. He's the best There's character. Re- <laughs> There's a reason this guy sticks around, comes back in later arcs. Oda knew not to get rid of this guy. Oda being the guy who writes One Piece. He knew not to get rid of this guy. Django is visually very much designed after Michael Jackson, even has Michael Jackson's post-op nose, <laughs> with a pharaoh beard and heart-shaped glasses. And he moonwalks everywhere. Yes. <laughs> For no reason. Just moonwalks down a trail. <laughs> Moon walks through the town, and he's like, what a weird guy. What are you talking about? I'm a normal guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he is a hypnotist, and who frequently hypnotizes himself by accident. (laughs) And he uses these these bladed chakrams as the thing that he swings back and forth to hypnotize you, and he will also throw them and slice shit up. Now, in the in the actual the original anime, he's looking for the rich girl. He's going to get her to sign, get a hypnotizer. The original plan was to hypnotize her to sign a will, willing everything to Captain Kuro. So when she dies, he'd get her fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that plan fails, he just goes looking for her and threatens to you know sign it now or else. And uh, she, she originally she takes one of his chakrams and holds it up to her own throat, like you know you can't you can't make me sign it if I'm dead. You better back off or I'll slit my own throat. And he's like, whoa, whoa, okay, okay, just don't, just don't do that. Goddamn, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Stop, stop it. You're fucking up everything. Yeah. Um, and what they changed it to, I guess they didn't want the implication that she'd kill herself. Suicide is a touchy subject, uh-huh. even though she wasn't really going to fucking do it. Um, was they said that the chakrams were magic, and when she gra- she was originally grabbing one to use it on Django. But then there are magic and tried to attack her, and she was, in fact, holding the chakra to her neck because she was pulling it back because it was trying to fly at her for magic powers. This whole convoluted explanation, just to explain away that she's totally not going to hurt herself, don't worry. Yeah. I, I, I love, too, by the way, that uh, violence, absolutely not, but uh, magic and witchcraft is fine. <laughs> Except if you see any symbols of magical witchcraft. Oh no, you can't can't uh, can't show anything that might be misconstrued as a religious symbol. But uh, if you want to make you know vague references to the occult, that's fine. Yeah. We we got to talk about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh real quick and uh, yes, we do a similar uh, train of of edits in that the whole the whole Shadow Realm deal was uh, you know people on the internet got a lot of mileage out of that and for good reason. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you do you want to uh, to introduce that to the folks? The the concept of the shadow realm. The co- shadow realm is death. Anytime you hear getting sent to the shadow realm, it was someone getting threatened to be killed. The shadow realm was an overly complicated way of explaining away death in the show. You didn't die. You'd get sent to the shadow realm, which is a black void. So everybody was X death from Final Fantasy V. <laughs> Everybody gets sent to the void. Just sending everybody to the void. Exactly. Um, this got really, really stupid as the show went on. Uh, I'm not saying Yu-Gi-Oh! is anything like One Piece, but it had its moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one that was like a, a guy that, that uh, trapped... He, he played a card game with Yu-Gi-Oh! He had his legs 
buckled to this thing, and a That's saw would come to one. cut. Yeah, you knew this was coming. Now, originally, a saw was on the thing, and, and as he'd lose life points in the card game, the saw would come up to his legs and eventually cut his legs off if he lost. So basically, this the first was, one to lose, or the, the one who lost, had their legs sawed off. Yes. Uh, this was changed in the four kids version to be an energy disc that, if it touched you, sent you to the shadow realm. I hate to be one of those uh, faggy little fanboy guys that brings up a bridge series, especially Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridge. I mean, as funny as some of those bridge series can be, like, you, you, like, you never want to hear them fucking quoted, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but Little Karibo did a fantastic job of just tearing apart that idea, the absurdity of it, when he did the abridged parody of that episode. Uh, I gotta ha- my hat's off to that guy. Little Karibo, I mean, he... that I cannot make fun of that any better than he did. <laughs> I mean, just the whole, Oh my god, no! Save me from the completely harmless disc that can't actually hurt me! Like, that, like, I, like, dude, you got it. I can't even top that. You got it so on the ha- on, nail on the head. Everybody go, if you want to see that properly lambasted, go watch that episode. Oh. You, you, Bridge, he got that down. But it's it's such a, a a great example of four kids penchant for hilariously, needlessly complicated edits, because it would have been so easy just to cut out the whole blade thing altogether and say, okay, well, whoever loses is going to be stuck here for the rest of the tournament or whatever. You know, you you're not going to be able to get out of the cuffs. Yeah. But uh, no, they had to do the the whole other thing, or like when they're doing that, um, uh, Yugi and Kaiba are. Battling or dueling, what the hell they call it, and that uh, the other guy's on top of that uh, skyscraper, and there's like a glass floor. And in the original, there are uh, bombs attached uh, to each side, so that the losing team, the bombs will go off, shatter the glass, and they'll fall to their deaths. And uh, in the four kids version, they edited that to there was an invisible portal to the shadow realm just below the glass, so whoever fell through would, would go to the Shadow Realm and, and be trapped there. Which, again, they would have had to have... All they had to do was rewrite one line of dialogue and cut out about four or five seconds of footage just to remove that plot point completely, not even introduce the danger of the the floor shattering, and, you know, you're you're good to go. But they felt compelled... It- to introduce this <laughs> bullshit sense of danger by having this whole thing with the invisible portal to the Shadow Realm that you would fall into if you lost this card game. It was the successor to the next dimension from Fun- Funimation's uh, shameful days of Dragon Ball Z. That was uh, next dimension was pioneered by the uh, the Ocean Group too, so that's well, well that well that was Saban and Funimation when they were together, one and the same kind of deal. Uh, but that was that was back when the Ocean Group was the dub staff. But that was uh, it was still I think that was mostly Saban actually, because remember Funimation was talking about that one of the reasons a lot of those edits happened was because Saban was catching a lot of flack for Power Rangers. That's right. So they were they they were lightening up Dragon Ball Z so they didn't catch more bullshit. So that that spawned. So the Shadow Realm was basically the uh, the the spiritual successor to the Next Dimension. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, that's that that's a really important point too. And uh, if there are any corporate executives who work at anime localization companies listening to this, and I imagine there probably are, um, 
you know, this this is an important lesson for you guys. No matter how hard you try to transform something to make it kid-friendly, no matter what you edit out, people will still find a way to get offended. You're fighting an impossible battle. Yeah. Because, I mean, there there was there was still outrage over uh, a lot of this stuff that uh, Funimation let slip by, or uh, four kids let slip by. Um... You know, a lot of uh, parents were protesting, uh, in Funimation's case, the original Dragon Ball Z when it aired, the dub version. Uh, with four kids, um, I remember there was a little bit of outrage over uh, Shaman King. Their edited version of that, there was still too much violence in that. Like, they got a, a really bad review from some parental review cider or something. And... Uh, I mean, let's not forget all that went on with Pokemon and the allegations that it was going to transform kids into Satan worshippers and all this stuff, <laughs> which was partially partially due to the games, admittedly. But the point is that you 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 can't win. You try to make these things kids kid friendly and water them down as much as you possibly can, and people will still find a way to be offended and outraged because they're bored, I guess. You have to you have to realize that at some point you have to stop caring if people get offended. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think it was Stephen Fry that that had the the amazing quote about like like uh, I can't remember what he actually said, but it was beautiful because he basically said, "Okay, you're offended. So what? And yeah. what do you what, you want something for that? You want a cookie? You know what do you want? Yeah. You know you're not you're not whoop de doo. You're offended. That why should I care? Yeah." I, I'm offended uh, I, by itself is just a, a statement. It doesn't it doesn't require any sort of reaction. Yeah, uh, and and we we're currently living in a culture where, unfortunately, some people think it does. As you probably have guessed, we don't. <laughs> uh, I want to bring up another four kids debacle. Uh, we all remember the Kirby anime. Oh yeah, Kirby of the Stars, or as they called it, Kirby right back at ya. Because that's, that's what Kirby does. You see, he sucks things in and he spits it back out right back at you. <laughs> Love how they referenced a game mechanic right in the title. It's, it's coming soon. It's the super adventures of the Mario Brothers that jump on your head. <laughs> the, the thing about, Here's the thing that, that really got me about Kirby. Um, there were a lot of edits in this, of course. First of all, it's fucking Kirby! You're editing Kirby? Why are you editing Kirby? It's Kirby! It's fucking Kirby! You should not be editing Kirby! Pink, happy-go-lucky puffball? You're editing that? You've gone mad with power. You don't edit Kirby. There's nothing to edit in Kirby. It's Kirby! But regardless, they edited Kirby. They edited a lot of shit in Kirby. (laughs) Kirby! They edited Kirby! Kirby was anyway. uh, eating a lot more jelly donuts. <laughs> One of the things that they edited consistently in Kirby was words. Because apparently words would distract children. And as you know, as Alcon illustrated so eloquently, being the ginormous waste of space dipshit that he is, <laughs> stated that kids don't read. So any time text was on screen, it was removed. So there would literally be blank signs just everywhere. Just some sign hanging over a shop, blank as shit. Books, all the covers, nothing. <laughs> uh, 
Like, you would just see a sign with arrows pointing in two directions and not telling you the what the fuck is in either direction. This, this doubles back on, you think they would want to go in the opposite direction with it, because kids' shows, they're always trying to work, you know, text and, and words in there to, okay, we got to teach kids to read, generational literacy, all that, but they they went the opposite direction with it. Which, again, required additional resources to make these edits. They fucking spent money to transform these shows into something that would be less appealing to their target market. Yeah, they, they, they literally spent money. That is the opposite money. of logic. <laughs> and that's why they had a horrible business model. They wasted money to make shows less watchable. I mean, and again, how do you edit Kirby? It's Kirby! Look at Kirby! Does he look like he's got anything inappropriate going on within five feet of him? I don't know, he kind of looks like a ball. <laughs> Balls are like testicles. Exactly. They, they edited, and what, what gets me, they edited out... See, the thing about the Kirby anime, for those who haven't seen it, it was actually kind of ingenious. See, the Kirby games are designed to appeal to all age groups. It's very bright and cute. Kids love that. But it's... If, and if you just want to beat the game normally, you can do that in an hour. But it also has some balls-hard, like, secondary shit for older players. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 if you're 5, you can have fun with it. If you're 25, you can have fun with it. That's the idea behind the Kirby games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the final bosses of Kirby games tend to get bizarrely dark. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, happy-go-lucky, and then the final boss is a giant white eye that shoots its blood at you! <laughs> I always thought that was kind of jarring for kids, but eh, whatever. It's pretty awesome. Like Kirby games are awesome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so they went that same direction with the TV show. The original intent it was basically sort of a uh, I don't want to say a life satire. You know, Kirby he came from the stars and he they landed up on this planet and he's getting like uh, some of these got, people took him in and King Dedede he'd always have shenanigans one way or another and whatever his shenanigans were were usually some kind of scheme that would kind of poke fun at something going on in life probably the most amazing one was when he decided to make a cartoon about himself to get people to, as like a propaganda thing to get the people to love him I everybody go find that episode in Japanese that episode is amazing Especially when we actually see the cartoon that he's made, but he made it like it's basically the whole thing's a parody of the animation industry, from from conce- making a sh- concept of a show to writing a script to animating it. It's one big parody of animation, and then like when you actually see DDD's anime and it's like drawn by a two-year-old, looks like two-year-old drew it with like because he blew all the money and they're drawing it as they're rolling it and. Like and then like it's like really choppily drawn. And they have to act it live, and like fucking like for some reason two shots are incredibly detailed. <laughs> like like DDD and his snail henchmen all of a sudden like like they're in the script they're commenting you look very handsome all of a sudden yes you look very handsome too and during those shots they're like in a completely different super detailed art style. I gotta see this. It's an it's amazing and the thing is they. Four kids took out a lot of jokes in that show, and they took out a lot of jokes in that show that American audiences would have gotten. They took out Western references. They spend all this time Westernizing shit, and then when a show comes and gives them Western references, they get rid of it! 
they were very suspicious uh, suspicious of Japanese making uh, American references. They're like, <laughs> all right, there's got to be some sort of uh, uh, sinister underlying reason for this. It, like, like at one point when, 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 and the reason I brought up the animation episode, DDD orders that everybody in the kingdom, even though he's trying to make this to, you know, improve his image, he orders everybody in the kingdom to, he forces them to make his cartoon show. <laughs> and uh, like, uh, at one point, like the, the main girl, who's like Kirby's caretaker, uh, Fumu, I forget what they changed her name to. They changed her and her brother's name to some pun in Four Kids. I can't remember what it was. But Fumu, the girl, she pipes in and is like, you, like, you can't just make it, force everybody to make your cartoon or whatever. And then in Japanese, this is taken out in Four Kids. In Japanese, DDD says, what do you, like, do you, what do you think this kingdom is? A democracy? This is like, uh, uh, this kingdom is not like, this, like, uh, this is a dictatorship. This is an axis of evil. <laughs> and he actually uses that term. And they took that out. Uh, say, like, um, so that's a little too topical for the kids. <laughs> kids aren't Can't gonna, have... you know, like five-year-olds aren't gonna get that. So, <laughs> so Fuck instead it. of just leaving it, and maybe their parents will get it. Nope, just axe it. <laughs> there, there were a lot of jokes, like there were a lot of little references to Western culture in there. Because again, every episode was a cultural satire in some way. You know, every episode was uh, highlighting. So there are a couple annoying environmental ones, you know. Oh, eh. Even then, they had some funny stuff, so I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but every episode was parodying some. And they they took out a lot of the point to some of those. Um, they took out, like, a lot of uh, little, little word references and stuff. Uh, I think the only time when the, the parody was ever apparent was the Halloween episode because there were visual parodies of horror movies, mm. including, like, the Blair Witch Project. I'm surprised they left that in. Yeah, no. Uh, like, like the, I'm, one of them I was surprised they left in uh, was the Psycho parody in that episode. By the way, I just want to probably point out, as I say this, 90% of the show's comedy and greatness comes from King DDD. <laughs> this show will make you love King DDD. Um, who, by the way, for some reason, they have a Texan accent in that show. He's the colonel in 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 their version, uh, and which is weird because originally in the original show he just talked like an old man, and people would call him an old man for it. I don't know why they couldn't just have him get an old man voice actor, have people call have him call people whippersnappers or whatever, and then still keep the old man stuff. But no, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they Too they simple. changed it, like <laughs> they they like there was a there was a psycho reference where uh. DDD is in this. There's this old haunted mansion, and and there are a bunch of the characters are running around in it. And uh, DDD's in there. And he's in. He's trying to get a shower. For some reason, there is a red, like hair shampoo sitting on there. And he's his snail henchman uh, thinks that D, like DDD in the shower is one of the monsters. And he grabs DDD's hammer and he sneaks up. And then it reenacts a scene from Psycho where he stabs the girl. And he said he's beating DDD with the hammer. And DDD's grabbing the wall, and he knocks over the red shampoo, and that pours into the drain the way the blood did in Psycho. <laughs> I was surprised they kept that, because it was a very obvious blood joke. They ke- Wow, okay. They kept that, huh? Yeah. Okay. And the whole... That, yeah, and there was like... Like I said, that was the only time where I saw that the show had parodies, like the Blair Witch reference, where him and the snail guy had the camera, and they were... Going back and forth with the camera, and you had the one scene where DDD was holding the camera up to his face, the way that one girl we could see up her nose. <laughs> DDD had the camera up to himself like that. Like, that was the only time where I realized this show had parody in it. Oh. Like if you watch it in Japanese, it's very apparent. Mm-hmm. 
that's all fucking gone. All the social commentary and satire and shit that's in the original show. Because again, it was supposed. I mean, not every episode. Some episodes were part of the had a little story of the nightmare and all that stuff. But generally, about ninety percent of the episodes were some kind of social satire. Hmm. Gone from the fucking four kids version. Again, even when it was shit, even when it was western shit. References to western movies. References to there was a couple George W. Bush references. <laughs> I, I just can't they, get over how they will paint over scuff marks on the characters in One Piece, but they'll leave a blood joke in Kirby. Yeah. Good lord. I, I that, that that blew my mind. Again, I'm surprised they edited it. They took out a whole episode. They took out an entire episode because the episode was making fun of people's fear of the dentist. <laughs> and four kids thought that that would make kids actually afraid of the dentist. <laughs> Okay. So they removed it entirely. It was a whole episode. It was like D D D didn't want to like he kept eating sweets, but then he got a toothache. But instead of uh, I swear to God, instead of taking going to the dentist, there, his henchman kept saying, "Sir, you got to go to the dentist." Ah, like he's scared of the dentist and he wouldn't go. So he, instead, he stole painkillers from the dentist's office and just kept taking them. And his teeth were getting worse and worse, but he couldn't feel it because he's hopped up on painkillers. Uh, well, that that might explain why that episode got axed, but uh, but actually, their their official explanation was they were afraid it would make kids afraid to go to the dentist, uh, and like that was the whole point of the episode was to not be afraid to go to the dentist. The whole point of the episode was you can't put this stuff off if you have a toothache, go to the fucking dentist. Because the whole thing was because at the end he had to get all these drills and stuff in his teeth, and that's what they thought kids would make make kids afraid of the dentist. The whole idea was you were supposed to go to the dentist early so you don't get to that point where he's got twelve instruments in your teeth that are all whirring, and you're like, ah! Oh man! In the same spirit as the blood joke, uh, they would then turn around and keep the episode where King DDD confronted his fear of death. And divorce. <laughs> it was, it was very. I, I, I have never seen like I, I am I am flabbergasted at how these people missed the point. I literally do think the people running that company were just flat out dumb people. They were just unintelligent people, just derpity derp derp. Their business decisions, their obvious jumping into One Piece, not knowing what it was. The decisions to axe things that do not need to be axed. They 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 got rid of an episode. Because they were afraid it would make kids go, afraid to go to the dentist when the whole point of the episode was to tell kids not to be afraid to go to the dentist. That's well, look, literally. The Berenstein Bears has already written the book on uh, uh, dental fears. We're, we're not even going to try to touch that anymore. <laughs> that is literally. You can't get dumber than that. That is. You are missing the point of an episode in a family cartoon. That. Because that's what the show originally was. It was meant for families to come together and watch. The kids would like the funny antics with Kirby, and the adults would get the social satire. Mm-hmm. You are and, and you are missing a blatant moral in a cartoon for families. You got it so the other way. They were going to the left. You went to the right. This is a. Stupid bastards! This is pretty advanced stuff, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like these people are trained to identify and write this kind of thing. You know, it's 
And yet, I'm pretty sure they kept the episode that had implications of slavery. <laughs> One with the Waddle Dees. <laughs> Where they went on strike because of the way DDD was treating them. It was like a whole slavery semi-union joke, and they kept that. I'm trying so hard not to come right out and say that the people working at 4Kids were racist, but damn. <laughs> Oh. Uh, it was oh god it was <laughs> they were they were just stupid stupid people there's no other way to sugarcoat it the people working at four kids who ran four kids who were doing all that were morons they did not know what they were doing they just got really lucky that they picked up on two very profitable franchises they made a shit ton of money and they did not know they were thrust into an industry where they did not know what they were doing and and now they paid for it. One piece was like one piece was the uh that was going too far, you know. Yeah. They 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 had been able to coast on that Yu-Gi-Oh Pokemon money. And then that that was when you knew things were getting bad. Like it was around, I think it was around the same time that the One Piece debacle happened that Nintendo came and said, "You know what? We're going to dub we're going to do Pokemon ourselves. We're taking that from you." Yeah. So yeah, that like, had to sting. Yeah, so I, I think it was just like it was a company that got in over its head when they got a couple lucky breaks early on, and and they they never quite they started licensing the shit that no one else wanted to <laughs> fighting foodons. I mean, come on, <laughs> they got they got they got pretty much like I think that's why they were able to get away with it for as long as they did. They they were making good money on Yu Gi Oh Pokemon, and they were just picking up shit no one cared about. Yeah. It's like, yeah, whatever, I don't really expect Tokyo Mew Mew to make a ton of money overseas, whatever. They just send it to the Yu-Gi-Oh guys, they, they made that shit profitable, maybe they can make that profitable. Well, I, I, don't think, I don't think they realize these were just, like, dumbasses with, like, 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 who hit it really fucking lucky. Like, um, I, I guess we do, um, oh man, uh, what do we do? We can... Nintendo sent us that anime of that racing game they do. What do we do with that one? <laughs> Phil? Tell Phil to come back from the smoke break. I don't know what to do with the Nintendo racing anime. He said They're more going... puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get into the F-Zero, but that was another debacle. Which pissed me off because I love me some F-Zero. And... Yeah. Although I'm not a big fan of that anime, but still, it was... It was pretty bad. I mean, it was. I don't even think there's much. I mean, there's a lot of superhero-y stuff, but like with a lot of fighting and violence. Again, it's like I think that was they had a deal. Nintendo's animes went directly to them, but mm. that could not have been like that was destined for failure. You had F Zero. For those who never played, it's a it's a futuristic racer, high speed, balls hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is basically you'd think SNK made it. It's so fucking balls hard. Oh. Um. <clears throat> And it is, but it's awesome. And, uh, it, it's, it's one of the things that's like the, the, the aesthetic to it, besides being futuristic, it's very, uh, Western superhero comics turned up to 11. Yeah. All the characters are very, these exaggerated superhero, supervillain, or just like crazy comic book trope kind of characters. It's awesome. It's, it, it's just like the crazy ass cast. So it's a very superhero vibe to it. Everybody knows Captain Falcon. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, Captain Falcon will tell you all you need to know about F-Zero. Yeah. Uh, he's a good representation of its overall theme. Uh, so, you know, you have a lot of superhero, you know, super violence, 
uh, crazy motherfuckers like Zoda, fucking who has like fucking drugs pumped directly into his skull. <laughs> Not lying, that's the, he's like one of the villains. Zoda, drugs pumped right into his fucking skull. Um, so yeah, it's shit like that. That that was destined to fail as soon as it went into four kids' hands. Like, oh my god, you ain't gonna do nothing with that. I ain't gonna, I'm just gonna walk away from this. I don't even wanna watch it. I don't even wanna see what they do. Yeah. And of course they did Sonic X, giving us the infamous meme-tacular gotta go fast <laughs> theme song. It just keeps telling you how fast Sonic has to go. Oh, he's gotta go fast? Faster! 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 That's the actual lyrics, people. <laughs> Well, you know, there's there's uh, not a whole lot to Sonic. Um, he's a hedgehog, and he goes fast. So as long as people understand that much, and uh, you know, by the time they're done watching the opening credits, they'll they'll be ready to enjoy the show. Sonic X was a shitty show to begin with, and and kudos to four kids for making it several times more shitty than it already was. That is the one you have... area they could excel. However bad a, a license was when they got a hold of it, by the time they were done with it, it would be. That much more terrible. Sometimes to <laughs> hilarious degrees. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Sonic X was like, like I, I just remember so many people were bitching. Like they, they, uh, they did. They pulled a One Piece in like the final arc, and they changed a bunch of fucking plot threads, like eliminated episodes, and rewrote shit. Because um, why not? Course, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'd care more, but fuck that show. It's dumb as hell. <laughs> Uh, the the only good thing that came out of Sonic X and four kids having like basically their recording studio was was the one that did all the Sonic games for a while. Thank God that's over. Hmm. The one good thing that came out of that was Mike Pollock as the new Eggman voice. Hmm. He's great. He like you could tell he loves that role. <laughs> he, he is having fun. That's why when they got rid of everybody else, they kept him. They got all these new voice actors from Bang Zoom, all these new, all the California crew you've heard in, in a bunch of well-dubbed anime, and then like, well, you know what though, we gotta keep Mike Pollock as Eggman, cause come on, have you heard his Eggman? He's Eggman now. Mike Pollock is Doctor Robotnik, Eggman, whatever you wanna call him. He's the voice now, and God love him, he's doing a great job. That was the one good that came out of that whole debacle, was getting Mike Pollock. Um. But uh, but one of the things that gets me, and this is the last thing I want to bring up, they had this thing where they could not keep the original background music from any show they had. Yeah. They would replace all background music with an endless synthesizer going with the actions on screen thing. The music never shuts up in a four kids production. Because, again, kids are dumb. If the music stops, they won't pay attention. Exactly. Um that's something that uh, a lot of older companies used to do when uh, bringing shows over here. Uh, I think it was a bit more common back in the day, but 4Kids is the only company that's really continued that practice up to now. And it's annoying as hell because, yeah, if they think that there's any silence that the kids are going to stop watching it or stop paying attention or, or some damn thing. And it was really jarring with Sonic X and One Piece. Sonic X used music from the Sonic games. Mm. And the music from the Sonic games is infamously good. Mm. Uh, even when the games were at their worst, that was still like, yeah, the games suck, but you can still listen to the soundtrack CD and rock out. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much just, that's what all the Sonic franchise was for a while. It's just like, okay, I don't care when the game comes out, so let me know when the soundtrack's out. Yeah. They had songs from the games in the show. That's what people want to hear. 
Not your. <laughs> I swear to God, they had maybe four minutes worth of total BGM for that show, and they would just loop it. <laughs> the instrumental version of the goddamn intro just over and over again. And uh, One Piece got that infamous rap song. Don't give it up. <laughs> you probably a lot of people probably came to this podcast expecting us to go off on that song, but there's not anything you could say. It's just it, unbelievably stupid. It, it's a it's a shitty kid friendly rap song of One Piece. Yeah. What, what do you say really about that? that? Yeah. It had the world's dumbest lyrics, including my personal favorite, Zolo. He's just like a samurai. Why he uses them Japanese swords? <laughs> Use them, uh, them Asian knives things that they're always advertising on the TV. Again, kind of pointing to the xenophobia racism shit. <laughs> How is he a samurai? Well, he uses them Japanese swords. Forgetting the fact that he has a Western name, Western appearance, darker skin, uh, Western style of dress. Uh, no, the I don't like, think a lot the, of uh, samurai use three swords simultaneously yeah. either. I think that was uh, that was a creation of fiction. <laughs> but no, he's just like a samurai. Minus the armor and coat of bushido and manner of dress and manner of behavior. <laughs> he's not he's not a whole like a samurai at all, actually. Yo yo yo, check out Usopp. His skin's a little dark. He's just like a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> he's even got the frizzy hair. This is a multicultural cast all up in this bitch. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that's a bitch. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that is, but then it really sticks, the, the replaced soundtrack really sticks out because the show originally has a very, very orchestral soundtrack to give that feeling of adventure. It does. And all the main, uh, members of the Straw Hat crew have their own theme songs and all this shit. It's very, very orchestral music. So it's really jarring when you go from that, this, this, this big orchestra piece, and go to four kids and it's like, some dude on his uh, 25-year-old Casio keyboard just going at it. Yeah, it's that's really what the soundtrack was. It's like, all right, Jim, just cut loose. Here's the footage. Just watch it and just go where the wind takes you. And what what you don't see from the audio, the the non-visual aspects of this scenario is that Jim is retarded. <laughs> He's currently drooling on himself. Have at it, Jim. It's my uh, it's my wife's uh, retarded nephew. I just, I, uh, you know, I give him work. She's really happy about it, and she gives me sexes. <laughs> See, I think uh, it's about all you really say about four kids. They were terrible. They deserve what they got. Uh, rest in pieces, motherfuckers. Yeah, but not one pieces. Ah, oh, that was stupid. Shut up. That was a that was a four kids caliber pun. <laughs> yes, yes it was. Oh. I just want to say real quick before we go, well, this is an actual thing. In one of the episode recaps of One Piece, before the actual episode started, just when they were recapping the episode of the events of a previous episode, nine puns within the span of a minute. <laughs> I clocked it. That is fantastic. Nine, nine puns a minute. So yeah, fuck you. That's like a, uh, bur- that's like a team rocket sketch on acid or something. Yeah, it's it's absurd, but it was real. 
So uh, I think that, that's pretty, pretty much all we can really say about four kids. Uh, they 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 earned where they are. They they uh, I I like to think that the uh, state of four kids versus the state of Funimation is a it gives me some hope for the universe that that uh, quality and good business making decisions and caring about your about your audience and your customers can actually give a visible sign of success. While people that treat their product and their customers like shit will end up nothing. It's a nice little it's a nice little lesson on on business and running a business. Right? Are you you paying attention to this Capcom? <laughs> <laughs> well said. From all of us here at the other side, I'm Cody Byer. I am Alex Berry. Saying a really stupid pun. I'm getting tired of this. I think I've come up with three really good podcast taglines for the show. All right. Let's hear it. All right. First up, the two guys in my podcast, because it's so epic that it takes two guys to do it. That is fucking retarded. Yeah. I didn't like that one anyway. Okay. How about the second one? It's going to blow you away. All right. All right. The two guys in my podcast, because we're legend. Wait for it. How about we don't? Fine. I didn't like that one anyway. Okay, this third one is sure to impress. Uh-huh. All right, the two guys into my podcast, because it's rock, paper, scissors to the death. Yes, yes, and yes. Nah, I'm not feeling that one either. What? Why? I gave my opinion on what you wanted, and you just trashed it? All right, you know what? To hell with these taglines. The two guys in my podcast was started by two guys. That's us. That love talking about anime, manga, and going to conventions, and they wanted to share their opinion with the masses. We are not here to give you the business. And we are most definitely not here to show you the other side. The two guys in the mic podcast, because we're all... Oh, hold on, Jameer. What? I don't think our podcast has sunk that low where we have to steal a catchphrase from a really crappy wrestler. Man, I like that one, too. The two guys in my podcast, Mondays on Anime3000.com. Rest in peace, headphone users. Who stepped on a duck? Anime. Japanese cartoons where giant robots protect us as we sleep. Samurai can fly. And little girls are more than just cute. Many podcasts have attempted to review such things. But once they're gone, where can we turn to? I don't have time to f*** around. Don't worry, guys. This round is on us. Oh, yeah! Introducing the Anime 3000 Bonus Round Podcast, where an elite team of podcasters go above and beyond the Call of Duty to review anime right when you need it. Wow! Incredible! You can find the A3K Bonus Round on Anime3000.com and on iTunes. Keeping the bar open for one last round, the Bonus Round. Anime3000.com